0: The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org.
1: Jesus gives us this daily sustenance that we need And so that's that's kind of how we've gone on this journey of this impossible situation is just take it one day at a time and just trust that today I'm going to have the grace that I need.
0: A father talks about the lessons learned from his family's experience of caring for a special needs daughter. Welcome to First Person. I'm Wayne Shepherd. And you're about to meet Kennedy through the words of her father, Robin Steele. Before we turn to the interview, though, please jot down our website, FirstPersonInterview.com. The archive of past interviews is there, plus more about our guest and a schedule of what's coming up. It's all at FirstPersonInterview.com. And one more website to recommend, FEBC.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company is doing an amazing job of proclaiming God's love to people who, many times, are in hard-to-reach places of the world. Millions listen and are built up in their faith in Christ. You'll learn more when you visit febc.org. Robin Steele is a Texas pastor whose family has been given a very special gift in the form of their special needs daughter, Kennedy. Robin has written about his daughter in his book, How to Be Made Whole, and there's a link at firstpersoninterview.com we talked online recently and i began by asking robin to introduce us to his
1: daughter kennedy is 18 years old Uh, she just finished school uh, and so she has a tremendous personality she loves to smile laugh uh, engage with people at the same time she has a severe brain abnormality that uh, really restricts her ability. To function as a normal person. So she's um, in a wheelchair. She's unable to use her arms and legs. She can't speak verbally. Um, she has to be tube fed. And she really, you know, basically requires 24-hour nursing care. Uh, so there's a there's a big weight there, but uh, she's just a, a joy to be around. Mm-hmm.
0: But you say she has a great personality.
1: Yeah, you know, she's communicates non-verbally so uh she loves to smile and laugh and um there's just a piece about her that is hard to wrap your head around and it, it's really life-changing people get around her uh they're transformed because when you look at her life and you see you know what she's going through you would think that it would be terrible you know that she would be miserable um you know one of the one of the ways that it really is reflected is that at night we put her to bed and, you know, we position her a certain way. And basically she has to stay in that position until we come back the next morning. Mm. And, um, it's just incredible to go in there at like seven thirty in the morning, open up the windows and she's laying there smiling. You know, <laughs> she's been awake for a while. Wow. She's not complaining. She's not upset. And, uh, she's just waiting, you know, and we're there and she starts, um, she starts smiling, and uh, it's just an incredible, incredible yeah. experience to be around her.
0: Well, since we're having this conversation via Zoom, I can see the smile on your face. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't sense that you have a sense of burden about caring for
1: your daughter. Well, you know, it's very tough. It's very difficult, um, and it's, uh, it is very challenging. And people, people say, you know, you're so strong. Uh, I could never do that. And God gives these types of babies to special people. And, uh, they mean, they mean, well, all the but, things people say, right? Yeah. But, uh, really I am just like everybody else and any sort of positive, uh, experience that I have is because of God's grace. And I, I believe through this situation, God's taught us that, um, no matter what we go through, his grace is sufficient. And he gives it to us on a daily basis, and uh, we we can make it, and we can have a good life.
0: Well, take me back to the beginning. Uh, did you know before Kennedy was born that this was going to be a problem?
1: Well, uh, my wife went through a regular pregnancy. No, no morning sickness. Everything was perfect. Uh, she wanted to have a home birth. She's very much an advocate of natural birth, and so. She was pushing for a home birth and I was nervous about that. So (laughs) I said, let's go get a sonogram just to make sure everything's okay. And, uh, so at 30 weeks of pregnancy, you know, uh, which is nearing the end, we went to get a sonogram and the attendants that were doing the sonogram just kept going in and out in and out of the room. And finally the supervisor came in and said, we need to send you to a specialist because we're not seeing something that we should. And so, uh, you know, we just kind of blew it off and yeah, we'll go. We, we, we just thought we'll go to this specialist and he'll say everything's fine and we'll keep going. But uh, when we went to his office later that afternoon, our world really did come to a screeching halt because uh, c- he was in the sonogram room and he said, OK, we need to go back to my office and uh, to go back down the hallway to the doctor's actual business office. Something was up, huh? Uh, that's not a walk you want to take, you know, um, I, I, I kind of liken it to walking back to the principal's office, you know, when you're a kid, uh, (laughs) stuff. And so when we got back there, he said, look, the, the thing that, that everybody's not seeing is your daughter's brain. Basically, you know, we look at the, the sonogram, her, her entire body is fine. It's perfect and healthy, except for inside of her skull, there's basically very little brain tissue mostly it's just water. And so you can, uh, continue this pregnancy and go to, uh, you know, go to term and have a C-section delivery. And then we can immediately try to alleviate the water pressure. Uh, or you can go to Kansas and have a late term abortion if you'd like to do that. So that was
0: given as an option, huh?
1: Yeah. It wasn't available in Texas where we live, but, uh, at that time, it was available in Kansas and you know my wife and i just sat there for you know a few seconds and decided that's not that's not an option for us so we went forward and you know we really believed well i, I come from a very strong family of faith i have had such a great childhood great parents grew up in church and so i had a good context of faith and but I had a certain idea of how that would happen. You know, I, I thought that God was going to show up by healing her, and that was going to be this great picture of God's grace. And so we prayed and prayed. But every time we went to the the doctor, it got worse. And so finally, we got to the birthday, and um, it she can't she comes out of the the womb, and it's the most exciting moment. Birth is just this incredible. is your first child, right? So first child,
0: all all that emotion comes uh, forth,
1: doesn't it? so so just um, it's a miracle you know but then our heart sank a few notches when we noticed that her head was larger than it was supposed to be so it was a challenging day and then they, they took her back to to get an MRI and they said you know what if the condition is worse than we thought and so she should probably live just about six months um, and you basically should take her home and enjoy her wow I'm so, not sure
0: when it happened, but I heard the story about you seeing something on her chart that mm-hmm. you weren't supposed to see
1: as a parent. Yeah, uh, that was about about, that. about two days in after she was born. I was at her crib in the in the neonatal ICU there at the hospital, and I I looked down at the bottom of the bed, and, and back then there weren't computers; it was just a clipboard and you know doctors' handwritten notes. And I saw that the doctor had written we've told the parents that their daughter will not have a meaningful life and uh you know when i saw that i was so furious i wanted to i wanted to go to that doctor and say my daughter means more to me you know uh but it was a it was a huge moment for us it was a pivotal moment that really took us back to god you know it it made us go to that uh idea of who, who, who determines who's meaningful, you know? And I've, I've often thought about that doc, doctor, Yeah, you know, he, he didn't mean anything. No, he was just he, being professional. He was, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, he, but it, but it does show the human nature that says, you know, meaning comes from being able to do certain things, you know, if you can or live a certain amount of life, you know? So, what would it take to be meaningful? Would it, you know, is it graduating? Is it, is it being able to speak? Um, is it living a long life? You know, so uh, that at the beginning I was really troubled by that statement, but actually it was very helpful because from that moment it really made us dive into God hmm. and allow Him to start declaring our daughter's meaning instead of us relying on other people. I understand that and. That's, uh,
0: that's really inspiring Robin, but at the same time, you're human yeah. and you've got to care for this girl. It's got to hit you once in a while.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, thankfully we had some community in our life. We've, we've had great friends and family members that have helped us. And one of those ladies had a, had a somewhat down syndrome and she she'd said to me the most cliche, uh, you know churchy thing you can say, which is you have to take it one day at a time. <laughs> and, you know, any other day I'd have just been like, okay, you know, but th- for some reason, when she said that to me, it was like the clouds opened. And because early on, we were thinking, I was thinking, you know, I, I can't do this. 25 years from now, I'll, you know, I'll be 50 and I'll be changing my daughter's diaper. You know, I just can't, I cannot wrap my head around that. I just, and I started getting depressed. And heaviness started setting in, but when she said that to me, it was really God saying, "You know, you got this because I'm going to give you the ability to take care of your daughter today." And so, when I heard that, um, I thought, "Well, I can do today. I can take care of her today. That I can do that." And so, we just started with that mentality, and uh, you know, it's really what Jesus teaches. He teaches us. Um, you know give us this day our daily bread you know we want our human natures to want a monthly allotment of bread you know or a yearly allotment of bread but jesus gives us this daily sustenance that we need and and so that's that's kind of how we've gone on this journey of this impossible situation is just take it one day at a time and just trust that today i'm going to have the grace that i need our conversation
0: online today is with Pastor Robin Steele. We'll continue talking in just a moment.
1: I'm so grateful for the grace I
0: receive while listening to FEBC all day long. I cried listening to God's message multiple times. The Far East Broadcasting Company receives millions of responses each year from grateful listeners. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company. Until all have heard. My guest is Robin Steele. Robin is a pastor. He's also a father of three. His oldest is a daughter who is severely disabled. Kennedy is her name. And we haven't mentioned your wife's name. It's Erica, right? Right Erica. You're in this together. Um and you have two sons, two teenage
1: boys, so your hands are full. <laughs> Absolutely. In fact, my wife and I frequently say now that our sons are more challenging to raise right now than our <laughs> disabled daughter. She she's so yeah. peaceful and and congenial. Yeah. And uh teenage boys, woo. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's tough.
0: But do the boys love their sister?
1: Oh man, our our kids, I you know, I joke around about them, but we have tremendous sons. They, um, they do love their sister. You know, that's all they've known. They're younger. And so they grew up with her and, um, early on it wasn't, uh, that challenging for them. They were just involved in school and there wasn't a connection, but as they've gotten older, they have really began to form a bond with her. And, uh, it's just beautiful to yeah. see them engage with her. Yeah.
0: You said Kennedy requires such, uh, Care, Uh, she's in a wheelchair, of course. How do you make Kennedy a part of your family life? Does it slow you down at all?
1: Well, it's different, you know. Um, We definitely don't have a normal life, um, but we have a great life. So it's very abnormal, but it's good at the same time. And you know, one of the things that we decided years ago was that this disability was not going to define our family, and that we weren't going to allow it to shape us into something that was not full of life um, as I think we'd seen we'd seen some families that were just stuck at home and stuck in depression and we just said we're going to do everything we can to live a life that is uh, engaging and uh, quote normal as as much as it can be but the older she gets it is definitely more and more challenging just because she is bigger and mobility is difficult. Um, obviously we have a, a van that uh, has a handicap ramp. Uh, but, you know, there's like uh, everywhere you go, you have to make sure is there, you know, is there a ramp to get in? Are there steps? Mm-hmm. Um, if we go for long trips, we have to really plan on, uh, you know, is there, is there places to take care for along the way, you know? Uh, so it definitely is a challenge, um, the older she gets.
0: But Kennedy's teachable in in some respects?
1: Yeah, you know, she did did go through school. She went through um, her senior year, and all along the way, we had phenomenal teachers that worked with her, therapists. And so they would use adaptive equipment to help her communicate. And um, she did start using some different techniques to make decisions, like... um, yes and no decisions and, you know, decisions between two different objects. And she she also had equipment where she could uh, bump buttons with her head hmm. and uh, she could toggle through different options with one button and then select it with the other. And so that's kind of the, some of the things that they would work with her at during school. That's amazing.
0: I, I love to hear that. And I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who can identify very closely with you. They have Children with special needs of one kind or another, or someone in their life with special yeah. needs. So, your story is quite inspiring, Robin. You and Erica have done such a great job. Let me ask you: Looking back on it, um, you are a pastor. You weren't? Uh, were
1: you a pastor at the time Kennedy was born? I was a children's pastor, so I really um, was barely full time. Okay. I, I was twenty-four. Not a lot of money, I would imagine. No, it was very difficult uh, financially during that season, but, um, God took care of us. But yeah, I, I had a I had, I was on the path to be a okay. full-time pastor.
0: Uh, is there any way in which you look back on that now and see the markers where God was preparing you and equipping you, um, uh, to do what
1: you do now as a pastor and as a parent of a special needs child? Absolutely. Because my upbringing was so easy you know, and polished, and I had great parents. I'm so thankful for them and my church. The only negative to that was it kind of began to build in me a spiritual arrogance kind of uh, attitude. Like if people had trouble, it was like, well, just work harder, you know, or pray more, Uh, you know, God, you know, you're in that spot because you haven't worked hard enough or prayed enough or whatever. And it wasn't until I was faced with this just mountain of impossibility. Uh, there was no money that could fix it, or uh, education or time, surgery, I mean nothing. Um, that it it drove my wife and I way below the surface of our life and just really began to make us eva- you know, evaluate who is God and w- what does He mean to us, and what does our faith really mean, you know because up until that moment, uh, I hadn't had that pressure. I hadn't had that difficulty. And so, uh, this situation really did begin to reshape that. And I have a completely different outlook on ministry and God. And thankfully it's better. You I was going to say it's made you a better pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so much compassion now and understanding Also, just knowing that when things don't go your way, that it doesn't mean that God is not in control. Um, One of my friends said one time, you know, when you lose control, control is not lost. And when he told me that, it was so helpful because I always thought if you're losing control, then, you know, God's going to be mad at you or, you know, you're doing something wrong. But Really, it's a place where God can get on the throne and be who he's supposed to be in your life. And early on, there was a moment where uh, I had this, uh, you know, spiritual moment. I went to my wife and I was like, I pray that God heals our daughter. This is right after she was born. I pray that God heals her. Or, you know, I pray that if he doesn't heal her, that he'll just take her home, you know, that she'll go to heaven and um it was a big moment because I had shifted the idea to to the idea that death was okay. You know, maybe this is God's plan for her to die, and she'll be she'll run on streets of gold and be <laughs> free, and you know, she'll be healed in heaven. You know, <laughs> so I had this idea of God's either going to show up by healing her here, or God's going to show up by taking her home. But um, eighteen years later, He didn't do either one of those, and now we're sitting here going, "Wow." God is so good that he had a plan C. And his plan C was that she wasn't going to be healed and she wasn't going to die. She was going to be severely disabled, but our life would be incredible. Yeah. You know, God would bless our life, would have a great life. And um, that was a huge perspective shift for us. I understand that.
0: I know uh, all of Scripture inspires you, but is there anything in particular from Scripture that really has been, a, again, a marker, a guidepost for you during this whole time of raising Kennedy? She's 18 now.
1: Yeah, the Scripture that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has in store for them who love him and are called according to his purpose. Um, that's really what we've been living out. Is I didn't I couldn't imagine I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around the idea that would have a daughter like this, and God would reveal Himself so beautifully in something that appeared to be so broken. Uh, So so that scripture is very powerful. But then uh, also, John chapter five, when when Jesus goes to the man who's at the pool of Bethesda he's been crippled for 38 years and he's just lying there in this depressed state and Jesus asks him if he would like to be made whole and um, that's something that has really spoke to us the wholeness that Jesus can bring uh, something that really really speaks loudly to us
0: the dedication to your book reads, this book is dedicated to all people longing for meaning, those who are waiting for something to be fixed, those who carry a really tough load, and those whose voice will never be heard.
1: Yeah, that's actually my favorite part of the book. <laughs> um, it just, There's so many people that are hurting. There's so many people that are stuck, and they think that the only way that they're going to be whole is if they fix this little area, or they fix that little area, and they spend all their time doing it. And the truth is, is we can fix a whole lot of things. But if we think that our wholeness is going to come by resolving these little issues, or maybe big issues, um, then it's always going to be elusive. We're going to be chasing after it and chasing after it. And God really has a better, better plan. So I really dedicate this book to people that are on that chase, and they're just exhausted. You know, they're just tired. They're burned out. I mean, trying to find a way to thorough peace. And um, I just hope that God speaks clearly through my daughter to these people.
0: Robin Steele talking about his incredible daughter, Kennedy, and the things she has to teach all of us. More of this family story is told in the book, How to Be Made Whole, and we'll place a link to the book at firstpersoninterview.com. A few weeks ago, you heard Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company here on First Person in a conversation lifted from the new podcast, Until All Have Heard. Each week, Ed and I share some of the stories from the radio and online ministry of FEBC. This podcast can be heard at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on many other podcast portals. Search for Until All Have Heard and join us each week. And First Person Interview is also available at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Join us next time for First Person.